0: Episode. Listen in as the GCRN crew talks TV from 2000 to now. With pilot and season premiere episodes, finishing finales, and season passes as well. Now get ready to change the channel with your remote control as we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of television. All from the GeekCast radio network. We are all remote controlled. Not fast enough. Hell's Kitchen needs to die before it can be reborn. They must have people watching me. My experience? There are no heroes, no villains, just people with different agendas.
1: Player by day, vigilante by night.
0: I'm just trying to make my city
1: a better place.
2: Enjoy! Grab that remote control because the GCRN's brand new TV podcast is here. We are calling it Remote Control. I am your host, TF and Mike. Joining me for the first time on this podcast is Joe Reed. Hello, sir. Hello. And this, folks, is going to be a season pass episode. Uh, what we do, for those that don't know or for Joe that might not know, Uh, (laughs) we talk about an entire television show one season at a time. So we talk about everything. We spoil everything. So there's your spoiler warning, folks. Uh, And this time around for the season pass episode, uh, we are going to be talking about Netflix's Marvel's Daredevil, or if you really want to put a real long name on it, walt disney's marvel's netflix's daredevil produced by abc yeah (laughs) (laughs) produced by abc distributed by buena vista (laughs) in association with touchstone pictures (laughs) oh my god um but yeah marvel's daredevil um wanted to bring joe in on this one because uh, you you had expressed interest in in the series oh, and yeah. in, in, intrigue in it and before we get started just briefly since this is a tv podcast not a movie podcast but we have to kind of talk about the movie and the comics just a little bit here in in the beginning yep um <laughs> 12 years ago has it been that long I, yeah huh? 12 years ago and the only reason why i know this and i think i told this story on another podcast February 14th, 2003, they released Ben Affleck's Daredevil, to theaters. They released Daredevil on Valentine's Day. I I just don't... (laughs) I remember even back then, I was like, what the hell are they thinking? The crazy thing was, I had flown up to Massachusetts, back home to Massachusetts, because for most people that may not know this, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, I've been here for the past uh, 20 some odd years, anyway... Um, I flew home to Massachusetts because my, my oldest cousin, Rachel, uh, my uncle Robert's daughter was getting married on that Saturday, the 15th. So I wanted to go see this movie, but my mom didn't want to have, well, my mom wasn't there. I don't think, yeah, she wasn't there. She was still here in Kentucky, I think at the time. Um, I don't remember honestly where, where mom was at the time, but, uh, Somehow it ended up where on Valentine's Day, I went with Rachel, my cousin Rachel, her husband Joe, and I went to go see Daredevil. And in Kingston, Massachusetts, we have this mall, Kingston Independence Mall, or I don't even know what it's called now. That's what it used to be called when I was a kid. And it's got the movie theater in there, but it's a mall, so they've got, you know, mall stores. As soon as I saw the bar scene, and I heard... What I thought I heard, which was Nickelback's uh, Learn the Hard Way played in a really, really slow reverb for the bar fight scene. As soon as the movie was over, before the mall closed, I ran into Record, record Town and bought the soundtrack album. You for should film. be ashamed. <laughs> nuh no, uh-uh. <laughs> you shame on you <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> see i like the movie i both the theatrical cut and the director's cut the director's cut makes it a better story it 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 fills in a lot of the gaps that the theatrical cut has but i still enjoy both versions of the film i don't
1: hate that movie um <laughs> my my kind of intro to this is like, oh, hey, it's a superhero movie. All right. Mm-hmm. And I wandered into the comic store to kind of get the primer. And I found uh, this. We I think it had like three issues in it. 41, 42, and 43 of Bendis and Maleev's Daredevil. And that was my mm-hmm. first Daredevil comic. And from that moment on, I've been a reader of Daredevil, just buying that to prepare for the movie. And, you know, having read that and and getting some... Uh, um, Frank Miller experience and Daredevil and knowing that stuff, recognizing the cameo that he had in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I kind of enjoyed it. I think the only thing that I hate about the movie is that ridiculous scene in the park where Elektra's fighting him, fighting Matt Murdock with his blind stick on the seesaw. Like, doesn't, aren't you drawing a lot of attention to yourself and maybe giving the way, giving away the fact that you have slightly more, ep- you're, you're you're not you're you're not blind, Matt you have you have, there's something special about you if you can do this <laughs> that scene um when i knew the director's cut was coming out i was like all right sweet it's going to be even better when they didn't cut that scene i was like come on if you got rid of that scene i think it would be a pretty decent movie
2: they didn't cut that scene but they cut everything out. the love story is not in the director's cut mm-hmm. at all which i know a lot of people didn't really care for the love story um <clears throat> <laughs> so, you know, we haven't had a lot of Daredevil stuff in other media other than comics since then. And, you know, twenty fifteen, it was sometime last year in twenty fourteen it was kind of announced that hey, Netflix and Mar well Marvel wanted to Marvel was shopping around five shows. That they wanted you know if you wanted one, they wanted you to pick up all five mm-hmm. i believe I believe that's what how it was. I'm not looking at any info folks, so if I'm wrong in saying that they wanted a network to pick up all five in order to call just Mike get out one, in the comments,
1: tell him he's wrong, yeah, please, yes
2: <laughs> exactly um, <clears throat> and Netflix, you know, was the only one. no one. No one wanted to, which surprises me that no one wanted to deal with Marvel and Disney and all this and all that. And, you know, you said that, oh, hey, you know, produced by ABC. You'd think that ABC would, would you know, jump on that train since they have Agents of Shit. Oh, I'm sorry. Agents yeah, of well,
1: coming off of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think if Marvel said to anybody <laughs> we want to make a television show, they're going to think of that campy soap <laughs> opera wannabe. <laughs> and I love Agent Coulson. I love the character, and and I love the actor, but that, that show is just, uh, at best, it's weak.
2: Um, so Netflix was the one to pony up everything, and they've picked up these five shows, and one of the shows was Daredevil. And it was kind of a reimagining for the character a little bit, kind of, you know, to reintroduce him to everybody, and... I didn't even know who was going to play Daredevil when I first started hearing rumors uh, Charlie about Cox this. Who
1: is what I heard.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, that's the same thing with, like, you know, Brandon Ralph, who? who? Yeah. Who the hell? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, you know... Um, Superman? No. <laughs> He's better as Ray Palmer. Anyway, um... <laughs> I'm not there yet. I gotta get there. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> um it's one of those things where the only thing that I was concerned about with this show was who they were going to cast as Kingpin or Wilson Fisk or, cause he's not called Kingpin just yet, but everybody calls him Kingpin cause we know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it, it's just a knowing thing. And I grew up with, you know, the whole thing of Spider-Man, the animated series in 94 Kingpin was this giant behemoth of, of a white guy. And, you know he had a little bit of an origin story in that cartoon series, and that's really all I knew of him until the Ben Affleck film. And you had Michael Clark Duncan, as as Wilson Fisk, mm-hmm. A.K.A. the Kingpin. And right then I said, "Okay, I can't see King." Like, sure, I I I, I have my enjoyment of the Kingpin in the Spider-Man cartoon, but in the live action, I can't see anybody else other than Michael Clark Duncan playing the Kingpin. And sadly, he passed away. Um, And now that they announced and all this and all that, and now that Vincent D'Onofrio is the kingpin, I'm like, oh, my God, Detective Gorin from Criminal Intent? That's amazing. <laughs> and if you really want want to get even geekier, he was Thor in Adventures in Babysitting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, my, like, I can't, like, after watching 10 seasons of Law & Order Criminal Intent and watching the characterization of Robert Gorin and D'Onofrio playing him, I can't think of anybody else that is more suited to play
1: the Kingpin. I ha- I've i never seen an episode of that. The only association that I have for him, well, two associations, is, of course, Full Metal Jacket, and mm-hmm. then, uh, uh, I need sugar. <laughs> and water.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. the Men only Men association Black. I
1: have is Men in Black and, and, and that from him. But... Uh, Oh my God! I I don't know. If I, well, I guess now is as good a time to go into it as any. Um, his portrayal of Wilson Fisk is amazing, multi-layered, complex. Uh, the the even even the way that he speaks, holds his face, the way that he talks to people, the way that he moves, the way that he fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and and here we go, massive spoilers, and that's the last time you'll get warned now. Um, well,
2: really, really quick before we sure, get sure, into sure. that, just to let everybody know, if you don't already know, obviously the show, to set the stage here, the show debuted in 2015, it's on Netflix, uh, it's a roughly a one hour show, I've seen most of the episode times at like 52, 56 minutes, something like that, seasons one to God knows how many, I know that there's going to be a season two and there's 13 overall episodes, um with the casting you know we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. charlie cox it always surprises me when british actors come on the scene and their characters obviously sound american but when you watch interviews with them they're obviously going to be using you know <laughs> like you worry know I mean? yeah oh, don't even get me started at doctor house mm. but it's like I just, I don't know. I mean, I like Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock and as Daredevil. I like his, he's kind of cocky a lot of the time in in, in the first season. I like him in the character. I think he fits the role well. Um, What were your first impressions of him when you first saw the show? I, well, because I didn't know who he was, I was completely lost
1: in the fact that he's Matt Murdock. And, Hmm. Uh, uh, reading the comic as long as I have, well, I guess twelve years. You said that was when I. Yeah, he's the character has changed quite a bit. He's gone through a real dark period, and now with the Mark Wade run, he's really kind of brightening up. He's come out of his hard times, and and even through that, you can kind of read the depression still happening. Uh, he's wearing the the mask on the surface, but you know we're coming into this Daredevil story when he's just his life is going to get a whole lot worse we're seeing him uh, uh motivated we're seeing him ready to go but still kind of carrying a lot of dark weight and mm-hmm. and so yeah he embodies that really well and 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 it came right into it so i, did, I didn't have any preconceptions about who he was as an actor or what other roles he's done nothing like, no this guy is is matt murdoch coming into his his prime here or or, or heading toward his prime
2: mm. at least by the end of the series uh, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. Uh, Deborah Ann Wall is Karen Page. I like her. I, I don't remember seeing Karen Page ever on screen mm-hmm. in anything. I know, she, obviously, she wasn't in the the Ben Affleck movie. But, um, you know, I, I've read several Daredevil stories with her in it. And I think Deborah Ann Wall does a really good job of portraying Karen.
1: Her and Foggy, uh, mm-hmm. when when the show... Happened, and they had casting, and I saw pictures of them walking around the street or whatever. I was fully prepared to dislike these two characters because, you know, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, okay, every minute that they're on screen is a minute I'm not getting Daredevil in his suit kicking the snot out of criminals. Mm-hmm. But what both her and Karen and Foggy did, they and the actors, what's what's Foggy's actor name? Thanks,
2: Eldon Henson.
1: He was uh, one of the Mighty Ducks villains.
2: No, he wasn't a villain. He was the original bash brother, Fulton thank Reed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I I it took me so long <laughs> and somebody Where else do I know to that post face? about Yeah. Yeah, I was like the I was like that the whole time I was watching the first 6 out of the 13 episodes I'm like Where have I seen, I've seen this guy before, where have I seen, and then somebody posted on Facebook, that moment when you realize that, that Foggy Nelson is Fulton Reed from the Mighty Ducks, and I'm just waiting for Foggy to pick up a hockey (laughs) stick
1: now. I hope he does (laughs) at some point, just to kind of nod, but those two actors made me fall in love with those characters, and... Uh, there are moments where I'm looking at this go, man, I just want the Karen and Foggy show. I want to see them go and like take Slumlords to court and watch them. Like Law and Order, Foggy mm-hmm. and Karen. I want to see mm-hmm. that show now.
2: That would be awesome. Yeah, I think one of the reasons why I didn't recognize him is because... Number one, his hair is a hell of a lot lighter in this show. Second of all, he looks like he's lost since since Mighty Ducks. And Mighty Ducks was God knows how many years. You know, it's what, 25 years ago or something like that. You know, since, since Mighty Ducks, I haven't seen him in anything else. Mm-hmm. And he looks like he's lost a lot of weight compared to what he looks like in Mighty Ducks. That's impressive. The
1: dude he, doesn't look older than 25 on this show.
2: I know. That's what I'm saying. It's one of the reasons why I never recognized him. And... Elden Henson's Foggy, I'm sorry to say, and people might agree with this, you might agree with this, is so much better than Favreau.
1: Yeah, I like John Favreau, but.
2: I, I like him, but, he, like, I remember when Iron Man was announced, I'm like, wait, Foggy Nelson is directing Iron Man? What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> yeah, that
1: was my only introduction of John Favreau, was knowing him mm-hmm. through Foggy. But, uh, you know,. It, And in the comics foggy's not the character that i'm there to read about he happens he's things happen to him but now the tv show made me really love a lot of these background characters through the writing and definitely through the acting and the characterization Uh, uh i've i really love these guys
2: yeah absolutely absolutely um you know, you got Toby Leonard Moore as James Wesley. You've got Creep uh Mofo.
1: Oh yeah. I wasn't sure who he was supposed to be. I don't recognize him from the comics yet, but that's I've well, got to go back through and read it.
2: I mean, Wesley, it's it's supposedly supposed to be a take on Wesley Owen Welsh as far as I can tell, Gangpin's mm-hmm. right-hand man. And that's fine if they want, but like the whole time, the first I think three or four episodes until they, until Kingpin eventually says his name, I didn't know who who the character was supposed to be. I didn't realize. I mean, I knew he was he was the Kingpin's right hand man in the show, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize it was that right hand. Like it didn't connect with me. Um. You got Vondi Curtis Hall as Ben Urich.
1: That was a surprise, you know, and and I don't know. It's whatever you know they change the race of a character again why do they do that but <laughs> only three seconds on screen you're like nope that's ben Urich, and he's awesome and i love him and i want to watch the ben yurik show
2: too bad well yeah I, I i guess you can watch the zombie ben Urick show. <laughs> i guess he ain't showing up in spider-man <laughs> <laughs> i you know i gotta say though that was another th- really cool thing about the 2003 film I love Joey Pants has been your...
1: Yeah, me too. (laughs) That was perfect casting. That was better casting Uh, than Ben Affleck.
2: True. Uh, uh, One of the other big ones here, kind of the last one we'll talk about, we already kind of talked about Vincent D'Onofrio, but uh, you got Rosario Dawson as Claire Temple. Uh, I thought that was an interesting casting choice. I get. I don't know her from the comic yet.
1: I need to go back and reread it. I'm setting up to do that, but
2: uh,
1: mm-hmm. eh, yeah. And the only the only thing I know Rosario Dawson from is from Clerks Two, so yeah. that's that's all the baggage that I come. But it, it, she did a good job. I, I I did not dislike her at all. Yeah.
2: According to Wikipedia, and again take it with a grain of a grain of salt. Claire Temple is the ex-wife of Bill Foster and a romantic interest of Luke Cage. In her earliest portrayals, she was a nurse for Dr. Noah Burstein in his 42nd Street storefront clinic. Uh, Claire encountered an injured Luke Cage, and the two soon became romantically involved. Oh, she'll
1: be back in the next series. She'll be back in the next series. <laughs> I bet she will. That's what you need to tie everything together.
2: Yep. Uh, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio, what more can we say about him? We've kind of already talked about him. Uh some of the recurring roles, some of the guest stars were, were really, really interesting. Um,
1: let's see here. My favorite surprise that I didn't know until I watched it was, uh, and I don't know the actor's name, but the warden from Shawshank Redemption as Leland Owlsley. Mm-hmm. That was real yeah. cool. Uh, I'm hoping uh uh that the son that he kept talking about is a junior and that we'll get to see Leland owlsley come back in you know the green suit that maybe he can fly or maybe you know i just i want to see the a little more comic booky <laughs> portrayal of owlsley
2: yeah. I wish uh Stan's appearance was not just through an onset photo like I wish it was actually oh I didn't catch that. Yeah, because uh, that was another cool thing about the movie, the the, the two thousand three film. They work the story in a way where Stan Lee is the old man that that Matt saves from. Being yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like it's just like <clears throat> if anyone could take every single appearance of Stan Lee in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even going back to X Men, uh. I would love to watch the Stanley appearance movie just to see how people put those in order. Oh, it was so funny. All right. Uh, to jump or not to jump the shark. Um, what did you think of the opening credit? I mean, they're, they're opening credits, but what, what did you think of the opening titles and all that stuff? That for the show?
1: was beautiful. <laughs> Usually I would fast forward through that, you know, the second time that I see it, but no, I love that. Um, Ah, uh, it just the, the, the syrup pouring down on the entire city of New York, goopy, gloppy. Mm-hmm. But the city's invisible until the goop hits it. I mm-hmm. cannot say amazing enough things for that because it's just stellar. The music's good. I like the, the music. Sounds like you're listening to it underwater, so you're aware of your hearing during the opening titles too, which I think is a a very clever decision.
2: Absolutely. Um, I like the opening title sequence. After about the sixth episode, I kind of get tired of it though. I just get tired of hearing the music. Um, and I'm happy that because this is a Netflix show and this isn't a show that's on television, on actual television, um, that they didn't just do an intro. And don't get me wrong, I love the intro to The Flash and, and sometimes the intro to Arrow, but... I'm glad they didn't do. My name is and yeah. you know I'm all the, like I'm glad they didn't do that. I think what's really the coolest thing for me on the on the title sequence is when he is when he, Daredevil and the t- the name when the character and the name mm-hmm. show up in the goop. I thought that was really clever. Mhm. Cuz it's, it's showing that the show is molding the character. That's why we don't re- we see him as "quote unquote Daredevil, the guy in the black mask." But we don't actually see the true face of the devil until the very last episode, which I absolutely loved.
1: That was something that I thought I was going to hate as well. Like, I thought, okay, we'll see him in the black suit for the first episode, two or three, and then he'll get the costume, and then he'll get the outfit, but uh after watching it a cup, and no, I really don't mind that he's not in the suit, and he could be not in the suit for two more seasons, and this show would still be amazing, and he'd still be daredevil but mm-hmm. uh but I'm glad that that's there and that it's it'll be coming for next season uh
2: the funny thing is now that I think about it back on the on the title sequence really quick, then we'll move on is. Now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of reminds me of, um, what if they tinted the T-1000's metal red? It kind of reminds me of liquid metal Mm -hmm. from (laughs) Terminator 2. Um, But the show itself, I thought I was going to have a hard time watching it. I really did. As it progressed, I think my only real complaint is that to to us, the audience, and I know they wanted to show... Wilson Fisk's story. I think having, like, I think only his voice was in the first episode. I think they kind of showed him in shadow in the second episode. By the third episode, boom, there he is in the art gallery. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, no, this is too early to show the audience. Keep the mystery a little bit more. But after watching the whole thing, I understand why they did that when it was done. And I still love
1: it. It It was part of his story. And the with the Wilson Fisk character, what I was going into earlier is, and what D'Onofrio did mm. so well is, okay, this is a guy, this is a kid who had this incredibly traumatic thing to happen to him when he was a child, and we snap to Wilson Fisk as an adult, but he's still a child, mm. and you can hear in how he demands things, how short his temper is, and even his body physics when he's fighting, that he's still a child. And you can see it in his face when he's angry uh, that he he doesn't have that emotional control that an adult would. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to hear D'Onofrio talk about playing the character because, man, you know there was some psychology stuff going on uh, uh, to help him in- inhabit that role. I just blown away and impressed
2: yeah i was too um i i just think that he it just fits the role like a glove Mm -hmm. there's there's no one else that they could have gotten to do this and i believe he even um i believe he gained weight for this one he's he's pretty hefty yeah yeah he's He's one of the very few actors in Hollywood that I know of that you often hear stories of them gaining or losing weight for roles. I'm sure it happens more often than I'm, you know, alluding to here, but it's not very often that a story is, you know, that a news story is, "Hey, this person gained 70 pounds or this person lost 100 pounds to 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 play this role, to get into this role and but yeah, I would love to hear, uh, some more in-depth interview stuff with Danofrio. I've seen clips of him talking about the show, like a, like a kind of a press junket kind of thing. Yeah, and I've, I've i
1: read the Reddit AMA, but it was before the show had launched. So nobody could ask him what was that. That was crazy, yeah, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. What do you think of all the fight choreography in this one?
1: Okay, the fight scene at the end of Episode 2 is mm. the most brilliant piece of film that I have seen in a very long time. That single cut, The uh, if, if you at home haven't seen this yet, or no, if you didn't notice it, go watch that right now. Uh, pause the podcast, go watch At the end of, of Episode 2, from the moment that Matt Murdock walks around the corner in that hallway, it is a single cut until he walks out of the opposite door with the kid. That entire fight was one cut. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Um, I'm trying to think of the the movie that they said that they kind of were inspired by to do that, and it's not coming to me, but there's another very long fight scene that was a single cut. But mm-hmm. uh, there, are, there are moments in that where the, the fight goes into a door and then the camera kind of pans around, and it's a moment where they could have cut. They put two of those moments in there where they could have cut but they have since come out and said that they they were there in case they had to but they didn't have to it was all one piece of film um and uh the, at one point charlie cox would fight 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 and then go into the door and he'd be off camera and when daredevil reappears it's the stunt double fight 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 falls back in the other room but all in all it's one cut and by the time he's done and he's boxed the guy the the stunt guys are tired charlie cox is tired he's like <laughs> just using the wall to help himself stand up to get these last moves in he looks exhausted and you buy it because mm-hmm. it's real one of the yeah. best pieces of film and i there's there are several moments several other instances where there's a one single cut um one of them involved a moving car in a later episode where the the blind asian guys in the back seat singing and the two russian guys in front yell at him. that car is driving down the road and that camera there that doesn't cut for you know 5 to 8 minutes uh there too and that was that was kind of neat
2: yep absolutely um wow. i love everything that they've done with this the the fights look amazing that that hallway fight oh i got to go watch it i love it again. I, lo- <laughs> I love how he uses, but also doesn't use the door. He uses the, because the door, <laughs> when the door falls over, it's like at an, it's kind of like a, a seesaw. Like you're standing on the, on the lower end of a seesaw and it looks so cool. And he doesn't even like, I figured he would use the door in some other way, like pick it up or do something with it. But he doesn't, he just, you know, uses it as kind of like a springboard. I absolutely love that. As the series goes on, what I love about it is how basically he, Foggy, and Karen, for lack of a better term, of the three amigos at this mm-hmm. point, as the series continues, and they each have their own character arcs, well, yeah. which, which is rare in television because, I mean, okay, yes, I know characters have character arcs, but in a series like this, if this was on TV, karen's arc wouldn't be the as deep as it is Mm -hmm. foggy's arc even though foggy's arc ties into matt's arc wouldn't be as deep as it is um i love episode uh episode 10 nelson v murdoch
1: that was yep (laughs) my wife and i just finished that uh last night i think
2: you mean rewatched it, right? Well, I, you... I've
1: watched it. Jenny, okay. I, I'm watching it okay. again with her. And, okay. man, watching it again, I'm seeing all these little breadcrumbs that they drop. Like, oh, that's important. Like, how many times did mm-hmm. they show Wilson Fisk's cufflinks before yep. you know what the cufflinks mean? Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I love all the character development. I, 13 episodes is a lot of time, but it is also a short amount of time to get... Let, let's say, you know, four, well, yeah, technically four main characters because you got foggy, Karen, Matt and, and Fisk. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of time, but also not a lot a lot of time to get their character arcs flushed out, and it really does well. I love seeing just the edges of Karen's past. They don't just come right out and say it. But we, you know, for for anyone who has read a Daredevil comic in the past, we know that she used to be in a pretty bad place for a lot of her life, um, and I can't wait to see if season two delves more into that in flashbacks or whatever. Um, seeing Matt and Foggy at college, that was hilarious. It was <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. It really was. Absolutely love that. Um, I think, uh, I, I wish I could use this title somewhere for something. Episode 8, Shadows in the Glass. Oh my god, that is such a perfect title for for Wilson Fisk in this show. <laughs> that whole episode is basically showing you his origin. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of people, I remember my buddy Doug, uh, Doug Abel over at uh, Talking About My Generation, he said oh my god, the mother was the dark one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she kind of... Like, I didn't expect that. Well, I, I don't know if I'd say that she was the dark
1: one as much as she needed to do what she needed to do to protect Wilson. I think that was more maternal no, I know, than but psychotic.
2: It, no, well, I, I don't mean dark. I, I, I don't really mean, mean psychotic. I mean, like, you know, in, in, in this whole episode, we see the flashback of the father being the... The violent one, the the verbally abusive one, you see the mother trying to... You just assume that she is the, the protective mother that's going to try to shield her son from his father. And then after he kills him, she's like, get the saw. And I'm <laughs> like, wait, because it was so shocking because it's one of those things where her whole demeanor changed in a split mm-hmm. second in an eighth of a second her whole face changed from sunny you know sunny you know wisteria lane wife to <laughs> you know stepford wife and it's like oh my god um but Wilson Fisk, in the in, in episode 8, he, he is shown to be... And I guess he prefers it this way... But he is shown to be a very lonely guy. Mm-hmm. He, you know, basically gets up, gets dressed... Looks in the mirror, gets the cufflinks... Makes the same breakfast every morning. And And I was wondering how that was going to change as it goes along. And I think after he meets Vanessa which I absolutely love that they're setting this up, that we're seeing... Because normally when I see Wilson Fisk and Vanessa, it's they're already married, they've got children, you know. There's not a lot of character depth to her in general. And this is me not knowing a lot about her in the comics. I just know what I've seen in cartoons and Mm -hmm. stuff when she has appeared. So it's one of those things where seeing it here is so refreshing. And seeing her character portrayed in a way where all the stuff that he's done doesn't matter to her, <laughs> any any other woman would have walked away. I, uh, I it surprises me that
1: I I can read the comic for as long as I have and not mm-hmm. know that Vanessa was a character until I gosh what am I I I reread one issue. Uh, just because I needed to know which trade paperback I needed to buy to complete the set. And like, oh my gosh, they're mentioning Vanessa. She's from the comic. I had no idea. So I was kind of mm. happy and and glad to now go back and reread everything and see what else I more than likely missed.
2: Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I I really got this whole, and this is going to sound bad, but... Have you seen the 1999 Pierce Brosnan, Renee Russo remake of uh, Tom, uh, The Thomas Crown Affair? I
1: did so long ago that it doesn't matter, and I haven't.
2: Uh, okay, then... well, the, the 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 only thing I'm going to mention is that this whole thing with with, with Wilson and Vanessa mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of that movie and the fact that, you know, her, R- Russo's character at the end of it didn't really care what Crown's character had, had or hadn't done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting that they're they're going in that direction as far as she, you know, as long as he's honest with her, she isn't going to make any fuss about anything that he's done. Mm -hmm. And this after I forget which episode it is, but after the one episode where he basically um, decapitates the Russian (laughs) with the car door, (laughs) that scene right there, is proof positive this show would have never been on network television.
1: <laughs> I I look at a show like Shield and imagine whatever number its budget is and then I look at Daredevil and see how much lower its budget is and like why why can't Shield be more like Daredevil and and you know how, how Daredevil could have been like Shield. It could have been now I like Arrow. I mean, I you know it has its it's uh, soap opera moments that I don't like, but I like, you know, and I like, I like uh flash, but man, boy, is, is daredevil just a different caliber of show?
2: It is very much so.
1: And, and is, is it, is it lighting? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, Daredevil's much darker, uh, uh, more sophisticated. It's not like, you know, a flat spotlight from the front. Uh, is it, is it, uh, more serious, well, yeah, but I mean that doesn't make it good. It just happened to be good and be serious there's There's something magical going on about the chemistry that went into the making of Daredevil that is special, unique, and exquisite,
2: yeah, absolutely I mean, you know i'm we're we're not going to sit here and compare this to Flash and Arrow mm-hmm. and all that stuff, because I, I personally I love flash. Arrow, I'm kind of. This is discussions for another day, but I'm kind of losing it on Arrow because mm-hmm. it's more. It's kind of like he's um, Bataro than anything else yeah. at this point. Um, <laughs> I hate to say it like that, listeners, but it's true. If you watch it, the, that, well, yeah, that's another. That's another show. Yeah, um, but with Daredevil. Everything they've done to this point, I don't even know where they're going to go for season two, folks. Oh, they
1: could go anywhere. This could be, uh, they could go the brewbaker way, and Daredevil locks himself or gets into jail so that he can track down Wilson Fisk inside. Um, mm-hmm. um, well, I, I think we're going to get Electra. I think we're going to get Bullseye. Um, man. Yeah, I have a feeling. I, well, the the long term plan, if we didn't mention it earlier, there are the 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 four shows. We were well five, right? Yeah. Daredevil. We're gonna have um, AKA Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist. And after the four shows debut, they're gonna put them together and form the Defenders, which yeah. is the four of them. I have a theory. Um, not knowing anything about the Defenders when this was announced, I went and did, dug up some information. Uh, apparently one of the key members of the Defenders since the beginning has been Stephen Strange. And Mm. I wonder if we're going to see Benedict Cumberbatch's Stephen Strange introduced in this series. In in this, I don't know, not series, set, I guess you'd say.
2: Yeah, the Marvel TV universe, yeah. I don't know. Um, I know
1: he's getting his own movie, but man, would it be neat as an after-credits cameo. I'm not saying yeah. he'll be a member of the Defenders on the TV yeah. show, but it would be nice yeah. if they threw that homage there because I can't—I couldn't find an a, 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 an image of the Defenders comic without Stephen Strange on the cover.
2: Yeah, um, as the show came to its conclusion and we got the fight and and everything else, episodes 11 to 13 are so well done. Like I didn't realize, like. Episode thirteen it is just under an hour, but it feels like you're watching it for two hours. There's so much in they they put so much into that one hour of television. I don't think they could have put anything else in there
1: That's something that I noticed about the entire run of Daredevil is how long the the they're willing to spend on scenes. There is so much dialogue they let things linger you're You're there for a five ten minute scene. Uh, not just the fight scenes, but even the dialogue things where they're just in the law office, and I I think that's refreshing. I think you watch it, and it's obvious that the showrunners are not treating you like a short attention span idiot. They're letting you learn about these characters. Uh, you know, I, I would love to count the number of cuts, the number of scene changes in an episode of Agents of Shield, and compare it to the number of cuts. In an episode of Daredevil, and I bet it's, you know, maybe 200 cuts in Daredevil, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would be something like a, an MTV music video, just <laughs> thousands of cuts.
2: Wow. That's funny. Yeah, I, I don't know. The show um,
1: does not treat you like an idiot. No. And not at all. We're, I'm so tired of. And I didn't realize how tired of it I was. I I want to be treated with, you know, like I'm an adult.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this show really does that. This show really takes... Almost... They they fit about as much as they could into the mythology. Um, I like the origin story for, for Daredevil, for Matt Murdock. I like...
1: Stick episode. It's
2: a, I like the stick episode. Um... It didn't hit me as much as it hit a bunch of other people because I I have not read Daredevil comics Mm -hmm. at all in a long, like, I don't even remember the last, I think the last Daredevil comic I might have read was, well, yeah, the last one I read was, um, I hate to say this, but it's true because I'm tired of that damn villain, that crappy Kevin Smith book. I'm sorry. The only reason why I say it's a cra- crappy Kevin Smith book is because it's fucking Mysterio is the goddamn... I hate Mysterio when they throw him into just being the villain of the of the book. But it was uh, Kevin Smith's um, Der- Der- Guardian Devil. That's what it was. Um, where was I going with that? I don't remember. Oh, crap. Um,
1: well, he is a Spider-Man villain. It's unlikely he'll ever show up in the TV it, show.
2: Yeah, thank, God, thank God for that um oh so i you know i i the whole that's where it's going the whole thing was stick like i didn't you know stick didn't affect me either way i think it's a cool character but i didn't have any emotional attachment to like it would have been different if um if john i hate to say it if john favreau showed up but he wouldn't have shown up thank god but it's one of those things where i like seeing that part of matt's story mm-hmm. just as i like seeing the part about you know like right after his accident and his dad and whatever else, I will say that I think the movie pulled off uh, Matt's uh, reaction to his blindness a little bit better. Like when he's a kid, right after. Oh yeah, it happens, yeah. Like in the, hospital the whole bed thing was overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the movie pulled that off a little bit better. But I do really love the interaction between Matt and his dad in the show just a little bit more than the movie, because the movie, let's face it, Jack doesn't last too, too long. Mm -hmm. But within flashbacks and telling a story the way they're telling it in this series, I'm kind of liking, you know, Jack the devil Murdoch after a while.
1: Well, he was, he was the devil Murdoch in the movie, but he was battling Jack Murdoch in the TV show like he was in the comic. Did, are you aware of the connection between the Ninja Turtles and Daredevil? Oh, no. There is a very direct connection. Um, Eastman and Laird being fans of the comics that they were reading in 84 and, and earlier, 83, 82, 81. Um, the Ninja Turtles are pulled from uh, Frank Miller's Ronin. In fact, there's a cover of one of the issues that issue one of the Ninja Turtles is a send-up of. But in the Ninja Turtles' origin... Uh, it, it's it's the same as the Daredevil origin, uh, the chemical truck goes by, a little kid pushes old man out of the way, the canister falls and it hits Matt's eyes, but that canister also falls down into the sewer and mutates four little turtles. And beyond that, the uh, Daredevil's mentor's name is Stick, the Ninja Turtles mentor's name is Splinter the uh, Daredevil fights the hand ninjas, the Ninja Turtles fight the Foot Clan and there's that whole ninja thing, it was a trend in the 80s that ninjas were big in comics and so that's what Eastman and Laird were doing it it was a parody, it was a send up of what was popular in comics that moment in 1983 Mm -hmm. and 84 when they wrote and drew that and so there's a lot of Daredevil connections in, Frank Miller Daredevil connections in that book and even issue one, they, when the canister comes out of the truck, there's this little kid pushing a blind man out of the way of the truck, and it's like mm. a, a nod there. Now mm-hmm. you know.
2: Annoying is half the battle. G.I. Joe. That's a different <laughs> podcast. Entirely, entirely. <laughs> um, overall, coming away from Daredevil after watching all 13 episodes... <sighs> 2016 can't get here fast enough. It cannot. Why is it... Like, I know they need time to work on the show. Work on the, you know, the second season. Now, some people have said that because Drew Goddard had left the show, the showrunner had changed. That the tone changed in the show. Did you notice a tonal shift after... Episode
1: 2. That was the last one.
2: Yeah. And
1: no, I didn't. And if the two guys who took over for him are in charge of Season 2, which they are... I'm not worried at all because they did a spectacular job.
2: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I Like, I didn't even notice the tonal shift. I just, like, if they had softened it up a little bit more than what it was in the first two episodes, yeah, sure, I would have noticed it. But it almost seems like they went 100% the other way. They went to, you know, you know harden it yep. more than what it was. Um, and I just, I absolutely can't get enough of this. The other thing I want to bring up before we kind of rate the show and give final thoughts and all that good stuff is, because this is a show about a blind person, Netflix added an option called audio something a descriptive service. Audio audio descriptive service. Now this is basically I actually tried this on on episode two with the fight with the um with the the, the hallway fight you still hear what they're saying You, st- it isn't like total silence and a narrator you still hear all the backgrounds you still hear the fight noises you still it just for you know blind people you know you can sit there and listen to this narrator telling you the action that's going on. But for us that are sighted as well, don't get me wrong, folks. I, I was born, le- I was classified legally blind as a kid. I have, without correction, I have 2200 vision in both eyes. Um, with correction, I have 2060 uh, in my right and 2100 in my left. Anyway, wow. anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, it's more far, it's more far away stuff than mm-hmm. it is up, like, it is up close. But usually when I'm sitting at the computer, my face is like, five inches or less away from the screen because mm-hmm. I just can't see like the way I describe it to people is at the end of my street here, there's a stop sign. I know a, I I know the shape of a stop sign. I know the color of a stop sign. I know it says the word stop, but from my apartment window, I can't read S T O P. Mm-hmm. I can't read it until I'm right up on top of it. Um, so they add this service, and I think it's so great because so many people who are fully blind people have a way to watch television or at least to watch this show.
1: Yeah, Daredevil's always had a big blind following. I I think, mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing a while ago that the comic is produced in a way for, for blind people, Braille with, I don't know, mm-hmm. description of, descriptions of what each panel looks like. Um, but, uh, I, I think you had pointed out that audio descriptive service and I went and watched episode one that way. And I think, I think it's spectacular and I really want to watch it and not look at the TV at all, like maybe be doing chores or something while that's playing and and see how, or hear, feel how immersive that is. But I was impressed with the service and I recommend just kind of as a, a sign of respect to that. Everybody out there try at least one episode of it. That way I intend my third viewing to be audio descriptive service for the, for the fun of it.
2: I'd probably just sit here and close my eyes and just listen. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't even do anything else. Cause I, this is not a, like I know a lot of people will put, tv on or radio on or whatever for background noise this show is so not a background noise. you can't do that Mm -mm. no you just can't it's my second
1: time (laughs) through and i'll pick up the laptop and i'll start browsing facebook and then like no 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 no. i gotta put that down i'm missing stuff (laughs) i I can't do it all
2: right folks we're gonna take a quick break come back with the gcrn review which is where we give it a rating and then we'll do final thoughts and exit stage left after this Now, for a behind-the-scenes look at GeekCast Radio Network's newest show, Talking in Circles. So, Chuck, Greg, what are you guys thinking for this week's show? Well, Dan, how about we just talk about the things that we've read or watched this week? We do reviews like that every week, Chuck. How about a game, like Fact or Fiction, or The Power of Names?
1: Those are great, and we're always coming up with new ideas for games. And how about some top fives? You know how I
2: love my top fives. What about tournament style brackets or sequel reboot and destroy who will win in a fight taking too far crazy but true news or yes it appears we have lots of things to work on listen
0: to talking in circles taking timeless topics in new directions every tuesday on itunes or geekcastradio.com the geekcast radio network hey dan
1: who's the guy with the creepy voice I'm Colin Baker.
0: My name's Fraser Hines.
1: Hi, I'm Daphne Ashbrick.
0: This is Andrew Cartmore. Hi. This is Colin
2: Spore. Hello, I'm Simon Fisher Becker. This is Ian McNeese. Hi, this is Travis Ritchie. You listen to this. Mark, oh, Fuck. Listen to Mark who 42's Universe. If
0: you're into Doctor Who, listen to Mark who 42's Universe. We always have the latest Doctor Who news, reviews, and interviews. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and cast radio network and our home base marku42.net
2: marku42 the meaning of life all right folks it is time to exit stage left and also talk about the gcr in review we go on a 0 to 5 star scale for the gcr universal rating system uh i mean it's five stars all the way i mean pretty much there. There may be a couple of things that I... I didn't come away with this series thinking, oh my god, I can never watch this again because of that one moment that that one thing happened, even though I can't tell you what that one thing is. Overall, any little nitpick is forgiven, honestly, because this series is so damn good.
1: This is... I I would almost say this is Marvel's most perfect thing uh that they've done uh can't wait for season two as a fan of the character for for for, i i can't even articulate why daredevil is my favorite superhero uh this show does him complete justice can't wait for more can't wait to see some of the stories reimagined for television with charlie cox playing daredevil but uh yeah an absolute five star um perfection i I maybe want to give it a a four and a half so that i can allow season two to surpass it but but no we'll go with a five star as as a fan of the book this is everything you could want for in a switch and a change of media from comic to video this is what it should be like this is as good as it should be Mm
2: -hmm. uh so marvel.com did announce that netflix ordered a second season for daredevil but they are going through yet another showrunning change. A second one? Yep. It says, On April 21st, 2015, Marvel and Netflix announced that the series had been renewed for a second season. Set for a release in 2016, with Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez replacing Denight as showrunners, as well as acting as executive producers. Both served as writers in the first season and worked closely with Denight and Goddard. So, it's going under another show running change. As long as the show itself does as long as the tone of the show doesn't change between what happened in episode mm-hmm. 13 and what happens in episode 14 or season 1, season 2 episode 1, I don't care. As long as they're going to put the same consistency and effort into what's already happened, I'm fine.
1: The the stumbling block that they're going to have to overcome is that from here on out Daredevil starts to get serious, or not serious. Starts to get silly. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've got some villains that are more flamboyant. We've got some situations that are more spectacular and and out of the ordinary. Uh, and and, and I, you know, I don't know how I want them to handle that Do I want them to handle it by changing them to make them more real Like they did with Leland Owlsley Or or are we going to take a deep breath, relax And let them do something like their new interpretation of Stiltman Or what is Bullseye going to look like Is he going to wear his outfit Or is he going to have a tattoo of the Bullseye on his forehead Or a brand like
2: uh,
1: <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell did Um, we'll see, you know, it, it, there, there's some challenges now. Did you notice in the back of the, the shop where, uh, Wilson Fisk has his suits made, you could see the gladiator, the buzzsaw guy with the the whirlwind with the arms and the blades and the stilt man Mm -hmm. costume in the back. That was like, Hey, good job guys. Nice (laughs) nod there. Thank you.
2: Yep. I am really surprised that they actually. I'm um, kind of surprised and not really surprised. The soundtrack for this is already out on iTunes, <laughs> um, which is interesting because I wasn't even sure the show was gonna get a, a a soundtrack. Um, but yeah, it, it's out there already. Uh, like I said, Daredevil. I can't wait to see more. You know. I know it's a product of our times as far as us paying attention to the writers and the producers and the executive producers and the people who are in charge of the show but twenty hell, even 10, 25 years ago 30 years ago we didn't care about it. well, 30 years ago we didn't have the internet but it's one of those things where it's because of the internet that that matters who's running the show mm-hmm. and like I said before for me nothing really ch- like I didn't notice a change in you know too much of the tone I just saw the show evolving as it happened um I think a lot of so, the
1: groundwork had been laid for these guys who took over but yeah the point I think yeah I'm not I'm not worried um
2: yet yeah um absolutely absolutely love this show um I'm gonna have to watch that that final actually, I'm gonna to have to watch uh, episode. Is it episode eight? Uh, forget. Uh, yeah, episode. Yeah, I'm gonna to to watch episode eight and episode thirteen with that audio descriptive service on because I want to see what the how they show the shadows in the glass episode
0: mm-hmm.
2: with the audio audio descriptive service because that's gonna be really cool to see that. So. All right, folks. As I've said before, and I know it's been a few months since Remote Control has been on uh, doing episodes, but we are back. Uh, next time around, we're going to be doing finishing finales. This is our way of wrapping up a season, kind of like um, it isn't the season pass, but it kind and it's kind of weird. My whole thinking was okay, so I'm creating this TV podcast. I want to take advantage of the fall TV season and the spring kind of finale thing to that that fall TV season. So I'm going to create pilot premieres where we just talk about our initial thoughts on the first, very first episode of a show. And then when we get to finishing finales, we'll talk about if we kept up with the show or what we thought of the show after the fact. So we've got uh, The Flash, Gotham, uh, Red Band Society, and a couple of other ones. Not a lot of the uh, the shows that I started doing in pilot premieres for the first year of Remote Control, actually a few of them, got cut pretty fast. Stuff like Forever and, and a few other ones got cut uh, fairly, fairly fast because they just weren't in my wheelhouse. Um, so yeah, uh, I know I should have done this at the beginning of the show, but um, you're having a sale, aren't you? I'm
1: having a geek sale. Uh, June thirteenth. If you're anywhere near the middle of Michigan, you can drive over and see us uh, at Big Kids Games on Plainfield from ten o'clock in the morning to seven p.m. Uh, and hey, if you're nearby and you want to set up a booth to sell things, that's free too. But you can find me at Facebook.com/slash/geekstuff garage sale. Send messages there, and I will get back to you.
2: Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you for joining us here on Remote Control. There are so ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. Visit the website geekcastradio.com. Email us feedback at geekcastradio.com. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. Please do this. Follow us on Twitter. uh, at Geekcastradio is the main network Twitter. Mine is TFG and Mike. Joe hates Twitter. Yep. Um, (laughs) Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash network. Call the voicemail line, tell us the show you're leaving the message for, and your name, 502-526-5821. There's a five-minute time limit. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Remote Control and wish you'll join us next time, when we'll be kicking off the finishing finales episodes. For now, I am TFG1 Mike with... Joe Reed. Tune in next time, when we will all be fighting over the Remote Control.
0: Thank you for tuning into Remote Control. There are several ways to get in contact with us and leave feedback for the show. You can visit the website, geekcastradio.com. You can email us feedback at geekcastradio.com. You can leave us feedback in iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at GeekCastRadio. You can become a fan of us on Facebook by searching Geekcast Radio Network. Call the voicemail line. Tell us the show you're leaving the message for and your name, 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Remote Control in which that you'll tune in next time to hear what TV topic we'll be talking about. Get those remotes ready because we are all remote controlled. Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us so you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins.
1: Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying portends and finance agreements required.